Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This 710 podcast is brought to you by Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Wines. Coppola's Diamond Collection offers the perfect wines to celebrate both big and small occasions this summer. Claret Cabernet Sauvignon is the perfect pairing with juicy burgers. And Diamond Sparkling Prosecco goes great with friends at your next garden party. Enjoy your summer with Diamond Collection Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Sonoma, California. Please drink responsibly. Good evening and welcome to 49ers Week. The SoFi Home Opener Week 2 this Sunday in Inglewood with my friend DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. You've always got a different look in your eye when San Francisco comes to town. It's rumble time, JB. This is when you, you you strap it up. You wear the cement galoshes and go after it. Absolutely. I can't wait for this week. This is going to be fun. Many are calling them the best team in football. We'll have a deep dive yeah. on the 49ers. We'll have four down territory, as we always do. But we only have a couple more hours, a couple more days, DeMarco, to be prisoners of the moment, to bask in the week mm. one glory of a road win at Seattle when very few thought it was possible few days removed where do you sit you know what i put it behind me to be honest uh euphoric as anybody going crazy you you saw that i got shot or, or i got caught fist pumping on a touchdown so i got into it yes you did yeah the crowd noise all the trash they were talking and then when the rams went up two scores i kind of got into it and, and gave some fist pumps there but put it behind me man i mean curious to you I, i'm curious as to how good seattle's going to be going forward Kind of like Colorado and their week one win with Dion. Like, how good is TCU going to be? We'll find out. But it was a great win, great for this football team, great for Sean McVay to get that victory up there. But now, I mean, this is serious business. I do feel a bit bashful because I was one of those people this summer that said, you know, I could see a world where based on what Seattle did this offseason, the way they've been drafting, maybe they are going to overtake San Francisco if Purdy isn't excellent. Well, that looks ridiculous after a one-week sample size. Mm -hmm. I think we both know why the Niners are going to be a whole different can of worms. We'll talk a lot about that in our second segment, but I don't know about Seattle. That raises some serious questions for me, especially as they go to Detroit for week two. They all but admitted at the post-game podium the Rams wanted it more. They outplayed us, and they outcoached us. That's real concern. Wow, that's that's a big admission. Uh, you know, like uh, Puka Nakua, I'm sure we're going to get into to why he was so successful. I mean, it seemed like Seattle's DBs weren't ready to tackle. And then you've got a guy like that. You know what's funny? If you took a picture of Puka Nakua from the neck up and you gave him a linebacker mask, it fits. You would know the difference. Or give him a neck, a cowboy collar and a, a, an O-lineman mask. It fits. That dude is huge. So catching little outs, turning up field against corners that, that aren't ready, yeah, he looked great against them. So, I mean, I'm sure Pete Carroll's going to say that's probably the out-coaching part. They, we weren't ready to play. They were. They took it to us. So we'll see what happens week two. But I hope the Rams can carry over that same mentality versus San Francisco because you're going to need it. That's right. And we're going to separate some fair reaction from some overreaction mm -hmm. because beware of the whiplash in the NFL from week one to week two. It happens every year, good or bad. Whether you're the Giants and you got embarrassed on your home field against the Cowboys or whether you're the Rams and you went on the road and got a real feel-good victory. But the thought that I had midweek is that I haven't felt this way about the Rams since week one 
2017, Sean McVay's debut when they beat the Indianapolis Colts. What I mean by that is going into a season with a sense of, I don't know what to expect. I have a good hunch. Mm -hmm. I have some feelings, but until they're validated between the lines, I don't know. And ever since that win, ever since that great start to 17 in the McVay era, we've been spoiled by the sense that if the Rams play well today, they're going to win. If the Rams play their best today, they're going to win. That's yeah. the roster they built. That's the culture they built. That was dissolved, undermined, changed by last year's catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And so going into Sunday in Seattle, I had those kind of anxious butterflies, those curiosities again. And now here we go again. Yeah, the the unknown. I'm with you. I, I, wow. Aaron wasn't on the field for that one. Aaron Donald was not on the field right. for that he, game. He, he had was... been signed at, to end his holdout, but they – we're still holding him out. Holding right? him out. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Wow, I haven't thought about that. In a while. The only difference between then and now for me, and I'm with you on that, uh, having that feeling of if they play their best game, they'll have a chance not only to compete with anybody, but to win the football game. The only difference between then and now is Matthew Stafford is elite. That is a huge difference. Yeah. Not knowing what you had in Jared Goff versus realizing what you still have with a healthy Matthew Stafford. I'm still, like, you would hope for the good Jared, you know, and then I'm still hoping for the great Matthew Stafford, the one that shows up. The one that played in Seattle, you play like that for 17 straight weeks. Not only are you in the playoffs, you might be the number one seed. Think about it. I mean, the way he played, the way he stayed in the pocket, the way he just trusted his line, the way he just zipped balls in there to 2-2 in, in those small windows. Uh, when you have a guy that's playing that gutsy and has that much zip on the football it doesn't matter who's on the other side. You have a chance to beat just about anybody in the NFL. But is it realistic to expect those types of performances, those types of conversions on second and long and third and long to go 11 of 17 in those down and distances like you did in week one? Probably not. And so where I'm heading next is as well as the Rams played, let's take a realistic lens. Now, mm-hmm. let's separate you know, the reaction from the overreaction what are your revised expectations now that you've seen it on the field? Well, you sent me a text about thinking about rookies, right? And there's only, what, three or four guys that come to mind, rookies that stood out. One of them would be Steve Avila, the, the guard. Yep. And I wouldn't say he had it easy, but, I mean, Seattle is just like any other football team in the National Football League. They have some pretty good guys and one superstar or one hot player. That was Nuosu. Uh, this is going to be different versus San Fran. They've got guys that can flat get after you. So... Edge and interior. Edge and interior. I mean, Cody Pickett was under siege for two and a half quarters. I mean, every drop back, he was absolutely pressured. Uh, the best guy on the field wasn't the $30 million guy. It was the other end that, that was doing it. Drake Jackson that was right. killing him. USC so, Trojan feasting opposite of all the attention that Bosa was getting. Absolutely. This, this will be everybody all hands on deck. You're all going to be on islands in certain situations, and you're all going to have to stand up. But if you give Matthew Stafford the same sort of protection – you gave him in Seattle, you'll have a chance to wear San Francisco down and hopefully out in the fourth quarter. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. A week two edition of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. The San Francisco 49ers riding an 11-game regular season winning streak come to Inglewood this weekend. Hope you'll join us there in person or on the airwaves right here. All right, in terms of what I learned from the opener, I I tried to distill it down into three silos. Mm Mm-hmm. Based on what I had observed this summer, I thought that Les Snead and his team had a good draft. Now, they got a lot of darts to throw at the board, but it felt like to me they had some rookies who were ready to be pros. You mentioned Avila. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Puka thrived 
because Matthew Stafford could step up into a clean pocket because Steve Avila built a wall and he's a difference maker at left guard, which was unfortunately a turnstile for the Rams last year. Mm -hmm. Puka, certainly. Uh, That was the least surprising thing for me. From day one, from OTAs, we knew that he was going to be a factor. Kobe Turner, Byron Young would be the other two. That group of four, and maybe the punter Ethan Evans, although I think better from him and better from Trey Tomlinson still to come, those guys were ready to be pros, I thought, and Sunday validated it. Secondly, we we talked about this last week, that when Aaron Donald is on the field, when Matthew Stafford is healthy and making throws like that, the Rams are going to be a tough out for anybody. And they were. I'm not saying that they're as good as their Super Bowl roster, but as long as those those two are playing 100% of snaps, this team's going to be a tough out for anybody. Oh, no doubt. On any I, given weekend. Super impressed by, by, by Aaron Donald. Always impressed. And that sounds funny, but the guy continues to impress with, with his speed, and he just refuses to stay blocked, and he brings guys with him. Kobe Turner, I'm glad you mentioned him. I think 10 years from now we'll be talking about him. He'll be the guy after Aaron steps down. Come on, really? Uh, he'll he'll be the guy after Aaron steps down because he's got that same sort of ability now. He just needs the reps. He really does. I mean, his technique, his get-off, his attention to detail. You know, on the plane coming back from Seattle, we got stuck on the tarmac for a minute in mm-hmm. Seattle. He came back. He was the first rookie I saw to come back and ask for video. So he was watching video of the game That's cool. about two hours after the game. That sounds like somebody familiar. That sounds like Aaron. Mm. So... It's one of those ongoing things. And it's funny. He goes up to Aaron on the bench and talks to him. He takes a knee next to Aaron on the bench. When he came off the field, you can sit down, man. You've earned it. Go sit on the bench. Nope, he takes a knee right next to Aaron. He's soaking it all up. So I thought, like, when Aaron decides to stop playing, this is going to be the guy we're talking about. I'm so glad you said that. That's really cool. The last one for me is going into the season. I thought the best version of the Rams, if those rookies deliver, if those vets stay healthy, it's an NFC playoff team. And Mm -hmm. after seeing how dicey the results were in week one around the NFC and now seeing what the Rams in their best form can look like, and I do believe that was one of the best games they're going to play all season. We'll get into more of that in the second segment. That's an NFC playoff team to me. I have no qualms about saying that, which is different than saying they're going to the playoffs. I'm not ready to say that after week one. I'm saying their roster, which was unknown to most corners of the football universe, is good enough. And the rookies have a large part uh, to do with that. Let's get Sean McVay's take on what he made of his first year debut performers. I think just the overall strain, I think the ability to be able to compete, you know, knowing that the game wasn't too big for them, um, you could just see they, they had a really good look in their eye. And I think, again, it's a credit to those coaches. They got them ready. It's a credit to the work that they put in. Um, I've really enjoyed the connection where it is coaches and players are in this thing together. Um, but we had a lot of young guys that, that really did a great job. Kobe Turner's been a guy that he just, he plays with a relentless effort, a tenacity. He's got some, obviously, physical tools and skill sets, but he's got a big picture understanding of what we're trying to get done he's got a versatile skill set can uh, that can allow him to be a factor on rundowns on pass downs and thought that was on display I was really pleased with Byron Young another young guy that, that did a really good job and both you know I thought Steve Avila and Puka Nakua and and then even Alex Ward and, and Ethan Evans you know you're talking about a lot of young rookies that were starting playing in their first game and 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 certainly did a, a great job of being able to help us get the win the other day All right, now it's time to baptize those rookies in the fire we like to know as 49ers week, DeMarco. They've not been part of any regular season losing streak to the rivals from up north. They've got nothing to do with that. Not at all, but welcome to the fight, young man. You're in it. You're on our side now. (laughs) Go solve for it. 
All right, when we come back, we'll hear from Matthew Stafford on what makes this 49ers defense the best in the National Football League and what are some of the keys from DeMarco to overcoming what right now looks like the Super Bowl favorite to challenge the Eagles coming out of the NFC. Week two at SoFi Stadium, it's the Rams home opener, and you're listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Control the NFC West at stake at SoFi Stadium this Sunday, the San Francisco 49ers and your Los Angeles Rams. Welcome back to Rams All Access. J.B. Long rejoined by DeMarco Farr momentarily. But first, let's hear from QB1 coming off a spectacular showing in Seattle about what makes this 49ers defense the toughest in the league. It's really, you know, what good defense is about in the past game, in my opinion, which is rush and coverage. You know, it's not just, hey, these guys get home all the time or, you know, hey, we can cover all day. It's a little bit of both. You know, their guys in the back end do a great job of understanding what their guys in the front side, you know, front seven are doing as far as, okay, can we be more aggressive on these routes? Can we be less aggressive? How many guys are we sending forward? What are we expecting, you know, the quarterback to have to do here as far as get the ball out timing wise? And then, um, you know, it's a first round pick at basically every spot you look at. So uh, they got a bunch of talent and a bunch of players um, playing at a high level um, fast physical they communicate great um, you know really really solid defense uh, the Niners have sacked Stafford 16 times over four regular season games as a Ram that was not the case in week one in the Pacific Northwest how great was it to see him fly home with a clean jersey oh my god so much fun uh, so much fun watching him and at the end of the game I think he was having more fun than anyone getting them to melt down getting them to, to jump off size. Oh, he was having cadence? a blast. He was toying, wasn't he? Big time. He was that's ruthless. I love that when you see that. That's that petty stuff, that petty greatness. Absolutely. I'm gonna make you just absolutely blow your stack out there and I'm gonna smile while I'm doing it. I love it. I love hearing from him, and this is not a surprise, that having turned his attention to week two, the Seattle Seahawks are a bygone memory mm-hmm. and he knows how different this week will be. So why will it be different? Having looked at the 49ers both in recent years, how they play Stafford, and then what they're bringing to the table right now, what's different? Well, outside of the whole Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, Garoppolo nonsense, and Brock Purdy kind of saved them, they have a loaded roster on both sides of the football, especially on defense, man. I mean, when you talk about it, Nick Bosa is working himself back into shape. Uh, he was an afterthought in that game versus Pittsburgh. They didn't need him to get pressure on Cody Pickett, and they absolutely did. It was relentless. Uh, the only guy that didn't get a sack was the most disruptive in Eric Armstead. He was in the backfield constantly, so he destroyed and they destroyed everything that Pittsburgh wanted to do. Uh, they were down, what, 17 nothing, middle of the second quarter? I mean, so by the time the onslaught was over and you settled down, you were behind two scores. So, uh, look, they, they, they rush like the Dickens. They, they tackle well. Both linebackers are great. Fred Warner is, is awesome sideline to sideline. If you don't get a pad on him, he's going to make every single play. And I don't mean just like every run play. I mean every single play. He's that sort of guy. So uh, they've really got it on defense, and they, the offense feeds into that. The most surprising part about the Rams' week one win for me, in retrospect, 
is how they did it despite being so inefficient, ineffective on early downs, especially in the running game. Yeah, You put yourself in second and third and long more than 20 times in a professional football game, you're losing, and your quarterback may not play the next week. Yeah, That's just the reality of the situation. The Rams flipped that script. They went 11 of 17 on third down and scored a touchdown on fourth and goal from the one. That was phenomenal. It was spectacular. It was super enjoyable to witness. That will not work this week flat out. No, no. It, it was great pass pro, and Matthew Stafford was excellent. We said this before, but this this is when it comes down to Sean McVay because I think this game versus San Fran comes down to the first 25 plays. You're going to have to force them on defense to go sideways. You really are because if you think you're going to drop back or run it traditionally, they're going to be in your backfield. You're going to be tackled for loss. It's going to be third and a mile, and they're going to get after you, right? And we all know – what that place is probably going to look like on Sunday. So you're not going to have the benefit of a of a silent stadium to snap the Oh, no, the you're football. going silent count again. And, that, and again, yeah. all credit to the pass protection. You went on the road against the 12s and not only surrendered only 12 yards in the second half on defense, but you did not allow a sack on offense. Yeah. I didn't, didn't even have a false start penalty? No, not even one. So yeah. that's, as, that's as clean and as impressive as you can do in a road environment, and they'll have to do it again at SoFi. At, with better guys coming at you. For and like sure, you said, not just one guy, whoever was on – whoever Nwosu was on was probably going to have some trouble. But this is going to be four guys. All four guys or all five guys are going to have issues trying to block one-on-one. That's one right, on one. because the edge with Jackson and Bosa, it's going to be even even worse than yeah. what Seattle did. You can did. only help one way. But at least Seattle did that. Up the middle, the Niners are built different. They're huge. Than Seattle and then any team in the National Football League. And what I was reminded of seeing a healthy Stafford, the way he climbs a pocket, attacks a line of scrimmage, and creates throwing windows guard to guard. yeah. That's his superpower. No doubt. But if you puncture the pocket up the middle the way that we've enjoyed Aaron Donald doing to opposing quarterbacks for all these years, you take that away from him. And he's not as good spinning out of a pocket like a Kyler Murray or even a, a Brock Purdy. He can do it. You can move his, his spot. But Matthew Stafford, at his essence, at his best, can step forward not to the side oh, I'm with you and this is where Sean McVay comes into play because I think he knows that too this is fun you said going back to 17 when he took the job it seems like every win or every game or once or twice a year we learn something about football like wow I didn't I, I didn't know you could do that or who does that uh there was one play where he uh was it preseason where they ran the hook and lateral to get the ball out of bounds to save the clock I'm mm -hmm. like wow that's innovative hmm, let me write that down so this will be a challenge for him, and I cannot wait to see how he handles those first 20 plays versus San Fran because he knows what you just, what you just said. I mean, look, coming up the gut is going to be tough against San Fran. That ball's got to come out. It's got to come out sideways. you got to attack. you got to wear them out. So I can't wait to see what he comes up with. It's easy to say they have to run it more efficiently. Yeah. It's next to impossible to tell you how they're going to do that. Because, yes, they need better first down gains, but San Francisco defensively has allowed a league-low 76 yards rushing per game since the start of last year. In fact, since the start of last season, they're best in the NFL in scoring defense, total defense, rushing defense, three-and-out defense, you name it. Like, there's a reason why people are pointing to the Niners saying that's the best team in the NFC, maybe the best roster in football. Well, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't think we saw it a lot. We saw a few with the end around game. I think it was, did 2 2 have one and it got blown up? Yeah. Uh, but I don't think you're going to be able to turn around and just hand it off and run the ball against the Niners. That's just not going to happen. You're going to have to get creative, but you're going to have to rush the football to be successful. So, like I said, I can't wait to see what designs they come up with to move the football. But I agree. If you don't run the football to take some, steam off that pass rush 
it's it's a certainty they're going to get to you let's flip it around and talk about the san francisco offense now he's demarco far i'm jb long a week two edition of rams all access here on 710 espn the niners have won each of their last 11 regular season games since week 8 2022 kansas city got them in christian mccaffrey's first game as a niner undefeated in the regular season since undefeated in games that brock purdy has started or finished i'm at the point now demarco where i'll say the only thing irrelevant about brock purdy is where he was drafted can you imagine if if he was a first round guy what they would be saying about him in this niners offense or if trey lance was getting brock purdy's results Oh my god! Maybe saying these guys are world beaters. That they're set up for years and years. That they're that, that they're brilliant. But absolutely, uh, look, Brock Purdy is in a great situation. Really, I mean, he is. Brandon Ayuk is playing out of his mind. He's in a contract year, right? And he he knows he's next. Yeah, and I'm. We'll ask Guy Haberman, my friend from the Bay Area, coming up in four down territory. If Ayuk isn't now the more threatening weapon over Debo Samuel. He was in Pittsburgh or against Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I mean, he Patrick Peterson is probably on the downside of his career, but I mean, he really took it to him. But look, Debo can still make plays. He's no still doubt. a problem. George Kittle didn't really have a great game, but they you didn't use him because they didn't need him. They had to keep him in to protect. Yeah. Okay. Because of TJ Watt. They had to extend the right side of that line. But McCaffrey, and this is so funny. I know the fullback has gone the way of the dodo in the NFL, but if you got one like Juszczyk, oh my God, does that guy do so much for the run game and McCaffrey just tucks in behind and they always make the right read. See, this is why San Francisco is tough to me. They're backwards from the NFL. Most people run to set up the pass. The home run for them is the run. Yep. And you've got to stay with it. You've got to be letter perfect. You miss one gap, and away he goes. And it's just, it's a backbreaker. Christian McCaffrey coming off the biggest rushing performance of his time as a 49er. I hope that San Francisco is telling on itself a little bit in terms of how they feel about their offensive line based on some of the two-man route concepts they were running. Believe me, they're good enough with Debo. Uh, and with IU to get away with that. But whether it was keeping a back in, keeping Kyle Juszczyk in, keeping a tight end in, like there were some max protect situations where they still got wide open in the end zone in a short field situation against Pittsburgh. That's concerning. And Purdy's got a whip. He does. Uh, he's not just a, you know, a trigger man. The guy's got a gun, and he can get the ball out. Yeah, And he's a threat with his feet, too. He, he can move. super quick, super agile. He can make you miss in and outside of the pocket. I'm at the point where, with him where – I spent a few weeks saying, okay, when he's, when's he going to come down to earth? When is, the, when is his welcome <laughs> to the NFL moment? When is yeah. he going to look like Mr. Irrelevant? I don't think – if you're waiting for a Brock Purdy clunker at this point, you're not going to get it. I think you have to clunk Brock Purdy. You have to make him feel your presence. Otherwise, he's just going to keep on doing what he's doing. Well, I mean, look, I think he uh, – I don't want to say hides behind the offense, but he tucks himself within the offense. And like you said, I mean, it's it's stretch left, it's stretch right. I mean, the defense has so much to worry about. And then when it's time for him to throw, he's accurate. He's good. If you get pressure, he can move and throw. So uh, he's a better-than-average quarterback on a better-than-average football team. So uh, they're only going to get better. He's only going to get better. Uh, but to me, I think the game focuses on McCaffrey. Uh, and you have to you know, really focus resources on stopping him. If you don't, the game is over. And that's what presents problems because now you're one-on-one every, everywhere else and you got to hold up. Last time he was at SoFi, the hat trick. Yeah, I know. Um, I love the halftime adjustments, especially from Raheem Morris, and he always gives me something to learn. This is what we talk about coming out of halftime. That adjustment, 
look, we got to hit him in the mouth. Because <laughs> otherwise he's going to catch one, he's going to run for one, and he's even going to throw for That's one. That's it. I know, crazy. Right. <laughs> Not that you need a sense of urgency when you're playing San Francisco, but do you know why this game is like circled and circled and circled and circled? On our end? Why? Uh, if, if you want the NFC West to be a two-horse race, you better get it done yourself. Because after this week, the Niners have Thursday night football next. That's their home opener against the Giants, right, who just got embarrassed by the Cowboys at the okay. Meadowlands. And then another home game against the Cardinals, who, of course, you'll find at the bottom of every NFL power ranking. Point being, if the Rams don't do it themselves this Sunday at SoFi, San Francisco is probably 4-0 as the Rams oh, are flying home from Indianapolis. They could run away with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it, take four, your four, break four, points four, when you can. 4 is not a clinching record, yeah. but do, I mean – if, if you want the division to still be in the balance when you go there in week 18, you better have one against them. Because otherwise, I, wow. whereas in previous years, the Niners have been sluggish out of the gates and then found their spark. No, they're hungry. Yeah, yeah, they're this is going to be blood. good. They're out for blood this year. All right, coming in. Coming up, we'll check in with the Bay Area. We'll go up north to talk with a buddy of mine, Guy Haberman, who's covered the Niners closely for years. We will also hear from Mike LaFleur, Rams offensive coordinator, who's got a bit of history with San Francisco. Glad you're with us on this Week 2 edition of Rams All Access, 710 ESPN. They haven't had many weak links for the last few years, right? I mean, that's why they've been one of the top defenses. Um, starts up front for them on both sides, really. But up front, they're um, the best, if not one of the best in, in this league. They get off their quarterback. You know, Kacarek does such a great job with that D-line, um, you know, so you can, in, in just that front seven. Um, so they, they're good, you know, and it's going to be a, we're going to have our work cut out for us. That was Rams offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, who's got some history in San Francisco, working for Kyle Shanahan, switching sides now to help out Sean McVay as we look ahead to week two. SoFi Stadium, first meeting of the year between these NFC West rivals with control of the division at stake. Time for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. I'm J.B. Long. DeMarco Farr will rejoin us momentarily, but we bring in my buddy from the Bay Area who has covered the Niners for years on his fantastic podcast, Haberman and Middlecoff. Guy Haberman is our guest. What's up, my friend? JV Long. What's up, man? Great to talk to you. You're not going to give me like a, a first time, long time? No, I get first it. First time, long time. Thank you. There you go. I force fed it to you. Uh, I've hey, always what, wanted to do that. From what you've seen, is is this Kyle Shanahan's best 49ers team? Uh, it's got a shot to be. I think this, this you know, the, the only other team that I think would stack up is the 2019 team. Now, I think we have to take with a grain of salt who they played week one offensively. Um, I think this is going to be a very different challenge for them with Sean McVay versus the Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett offense they saw week one in Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, I, I think it was finally getting to see a team that we'd watched throughout training camp that was never fully together. You know, when you start listing the Pro Bowl level, all pro guys, and they're everywhere. Um, you know, that 2019 team had, had Richard Sherman on it, but it had Fred Warner, it had Dre Greenlaw, it had DeForest Buckner um, and a young Nick Bosa, but this one's got, you know, Hargrave up front and an emerging Drake Jackson who had three sacks last week and Mooney Ward and, you know, a safety in Talanoa Hufunga who uh, has burst onto the scene. A really deep safety group. So um, it may be. I mean, the, the two nitpicks from a blowout one, uh, week one win would be blocking on the right side of the offensive line, namely right tackle. Colton McKivitz had a really tough time with P.J. Watt. Um, and maybe, you know, that second cornerback spot, depending on what they're doing at nickel, they're still trying to figure out the nickel position. But 
Um, given the skill guys, given McCaffrey's addition, given Debo and Brandon Ayuk both kind of in their primes, Kittle, you know, this, this is kind of extended prime for him. Kyle Juszczyk just as useful as he's ever been. And I think quarterback that Kyle Shanahan probably has more confidence at this point in Brock Purdy than he had in Jimmy Garoppolo. And I say that because he seems to be more willing to push the ball down the field a little bit with, uh, with Brock, although it's only been nine starts. Uh, this has a real chance to be his best group. And it's, I think, just as talented as any group he's had. Guy Haberman, a pro's pro, making the segue to question number two on four down territory for me. How would you summarize the Brock Purdy experience to this point? Unbelievable is almost too common a word, right, JB? I mean, to have the last pick in the draft and to have him not just be a functional player or a serviceable player, but have him be a very good player. Um, I think what we are seeing with him is that he's a little bit more than just a guy that does what Kyle Shanahan tells him to do. Um, no one's going to confuse him for Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson athletically. But he has shown a greater ability to create than I think uh, you would expect from the last pick of the draft. And uh, I do understand. I think there is some truth to the belief that, you know, the fundamental uh, passing game relies on Kyle Shanahan calling a play that will have somebody wide open. And then the quarterback's job is to just hit that guy. And that is true. I mean, that is the fundamental be on time, be on target and Shanahan's going to get somebody open for you. And that's all you have to do. But you know, the game doesn't always play out that way. The, the ball is snapped and crazy things happen. And, um, a quarterback who only does what the coach tells him to do every time is not going to be a quarterback that, that wins you a championship or consistently puts you in championship position. And I think Brock is showing that beyond just being, you know, kind of the on-field uh, robot for Kyle Shanahan, he's actually pretty good at, at um, creating opportunities where maybe another door has, has closed because something happened. And, you know, the one thing that blows everybody away is – the way is, we have to believe the teammates when they talk about him the way they talk about him. And um, Brandon Ayuk was effusive this week. Uh, he went beyond just saying whatever it is, this guy has it. But he talked about the level of uh, of, of confidence he gives them, uh, his teammates, the level of competitiveness, the level of calm, like all of these things that um, you would build into the quarterback that you want on a championship level roster. The question is just. Can the guy who was drafted last really be this good? Um, if he was drafted in the third round, I don't think we'd be, be asking that. But but here we are. So right. it's in that sense, it's unbelievable. I mean, if, if they were getting this type of quarterback production from Trey Lance, I mean, 49ers world would be even more aflame than it already is. He's Guy Haberman. Right. He's covered the 49ers for a long time in the San Francisco Bay Area, my friend, for many years going through the Pac-12. All right. Question number three, four down territory here on 710 ESPN. If I ask you to rank the 49ers big four skill players in terms of most central, most essential to their 2023 operation, where are you starting? I'm starting with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he touches the ball the most. He pounds the run game. And, you know, as, as, uh, as the Rams saw that, I think, three times last year, right? Because the, yes. the Panthers game last year was – the Panthers putting McCaffrey on display early on. I think he got seven of the first eight touches of the game against the Rams last year. 
So I got to start with him. I still go Debo second over IU. I know IU was the NFC player of the week and, and he's the next big contract that the Niners have to dole out. But, um, you know, Debo is just so unique. And, uh, as a compliment to McCaffrey, I just don't, you know, you don't really see two of that guy on the same team. And so I got to go with him there. Uh, you know, this is tough now because a part of me wants to go with Kittle because he's so important in the blocking game. He'll be important again this week in part because of some of the deficiencies that, you know, the Niners are imperfect up front. But I mentioned McKivitz who just made a sixth career start last week. And then Spencer Burford, who's at right guard. And, and you know, he was a rotational guard uh, last year. So he's taking a step up as a second year player. Um, and so I almost feel like, uh, you know, I, I got to go there. But um, Ayuk was the, the NFC player of the week, as I said. God, it's so difficult. I'll go Kittle three, Ayuk four, although it just seems criminal. <laughs> no wrong answers there. We'll get you out of here with a quick one uh, on fourth down. If the 49ers don't make the Super Bowl this year, Guy, it will most likely be because fill in the blank. The quarterback gets hurt. What other answer is there at this point, right? Given the recent history of the 40 batters. So they haven't lost a game that he started and finished, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't wish harm on anyone, but at least the Rams know what their challenge is when they see Purdy <laughs> and Purdy meets Aaron Donald for the first time at SoFi Stadium. Guy, I do appreciate your time. Always good catching up with you and uh, glad that this rivalry is back at full tilt. Amen to that, JB. Thanks for having me. All right, Guy Haberman, everyone. DeMarco Farr is back as we go inside our playoff eliminator and our final segment of Rams All Access previewing week two against San Francisco on 710 ESPN. Back-to-back division test to begin the 2023 campaign for the Los Angeles Rams after trouncing the Seahawks and pitching a second-half shutout on the road at Lumen Field now. The scene shifts to SoFi Stadium and the first meeting of two this season with the rival from up north, the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome back to Marco Far. Let's wrap things up here on Rams All Access. We'll get to our playoff eliminator in a moment, but final thoughts, keys to the game on the Niners, first of all. There was nothing I liked better than seeing Seattle fans walk out of that stadium early. I mean, that was just great. Uh, when the Rams extended their lead and seeing people get up frustrated and just walk out. I would like nothing more than to see San Francisco do the same thing. Their fan base, get up and leave and walk out quiet. Make that the, would be awesome. Make the red and gold hit the escalators. Head home. Inglewood. Hit the 405, hit the bricks, pound sand, get out of here. That'll be fun. But, you know, this is going to come down to the fourth quarter. This is going to be a, a, a nasty rock 'em sock 'em football game but here's the thing i think the rams are actually ready for it i really do um that win up in seattle is going to do wonders for their confidence it's going to do wonders for what sean mcveigh has been preaching so they're going to put their best effort on the field now we're going to see how it how it lays when when they play but uh that win in, in seattle it was was boosting and you're going to need it all the confidence in the world going into this game versus san fran Top two quarterbacks in terms of QBR, QB rating after week one. Brock Purdy at the top, Matthew Stafford second. It'll be the first meeting between a quarterback drafted one overall and drafted Mr. Irrelevant. That's not surprising because Brock Purdy is the first Mr. Irrelevant to play meaningful NFL football, but uh, there you have it nonetheless. You mentioned McVay. I want to close our Rams discussion on him because it's a milestone for him this Sunday and how poignant that it's against San Francisco too. His 100th regular season game, Sean McVay. Wow. 
Is it already to 100? At the outset of year seven. Wow. He's 61 and 38. He's already been an NFL coach of the year, taken four teams to the playoffs, a couple of NFC championships, that Lombardi trophy, of course. And until the opening loss to the Buffalo Bills last year, week one, he had never so much as experienced a losing record. Remember, he had never been below 500 through five seasons. Yeah. What are your reflections on what it's been like to go on this journey with him? You know, I think he's past the boy wonder stage. I don't think he was ever the boy wonder. He, he's a he's a phenomenal football coach. He's a phenomenal teacher. He's supremely confident and competitive. Someone asked me today, do you think it gets under his skin that San Francisco keeps beating him? I'm like, well, what do you think? Absolutely. Anybody that beats him gets under his skin. He hates to lose right. in just about anything. So, of course. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, watching him – mature as a coach watching him go through the paces of a Super Bowl run and then a, a season that didn't go well last year he's the same guy he got a little tired at the end of last year but he's the same guy never changes so uh, have nothing but respect and then the coaching job he did this year taking that team up to Seattle and changing the narrative uh, was just awesome so it, it's not about luck it's not about having a loaded roster I think at some point you're going to start to realize this guy can coach his butt off. I think we know that. I think the rest of the world may be starting to see that now. I mean, that was what was so great about week one for me is it was just a up-close and personal reminder that coaching in this sport matters more than in any other and that coaching in quarterback is a nearly unstoppable force. Oh, my especially gosh. Especially when that head coach is also your offensive designer and play caller all right so here's to 62 a 60 second win for sean mcveigh how sweet would it be to get it against san francisco and to sean hey here's to the next 100 as well all right playoff eliminator got off to a fast start last week if you're a fan of this show you know that for a couple of years now demarco and i have been playing this backward game as we do where we draft teams that we think are toast we draft bad teams that are going to miss the playoffs yes uh and i wasn't necessarily going to jump the gun and grab a team week one but you did now here's the thing demarco yeah well let me finish explaining the rules first so you draft as many teams that you can that miss the playoffs but if you draft the team that goes on to make the postseason your portfolio blows up Dunza. and you're out yeah so i thought the first choice was fairly obvious last week and we even did like a modified rochambeau coin flip demarco got the first pick and he went with uh, not a bad choice by any means the houston texans but it wasn't the one that i thought he was going to take the arizona cardinals so i grabbed arizona on the back of his houston pick now demarco feeling good yes uh, everything's fine they both lost <laughs> i was going to make the case to you that this year we should like snake draft it right so whoever okay. got the first pick then the other person goes second, also gets to pick third, either that week or the next week whenever we pick up the draft. Okay. However, since you, I'm going to say gifted me, the Arizona Cardinals, who have them. Uh, appear to be the front runner to get the number one overall selection, I'm not even going to put my foot down on that. I don't need this next pick. In fact, I am not going to make, was not planning to make a pick this week. I want to gather some more data, although there are definitely some teams high on my radar. Wow. So I'll pitch it back to you. I'm going to punt this week. Whether it is or it isn't necessarily your pick, you can go this week if you want because I'm I'm standing. Behind. I love this game because of the chouse, the chaos. I love this. This is fun. So like, look, I think the Arizona and the tanking thing is going to backfire because the last thing you want to do is tell your players that you're tanking. They may up and win a few games they shouldn't win and mess it all up. Can I can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Total left turn. Yeah. Should Kyler Murray be a New York Jet? 
by the end of this season. Man, you know, that's not a bad option. They could do worse. I was thinking of actually Trey Lance. He's in Dallas. They got him for a fourth. In the parallel universe, I would be curious to see what San Francisco could have gotten for Trey Lance this week as opposed to a couple of weeks ago. Had that thought too. But as unfortunate as the Aaron Rodgers injury is in so many regards, the Jets prove thoroughly that they are a championship caliber team with adequate quarterback play. If and when that knee surgery of Kyler's is ready to rip, I don't think Arizona is necessarily trying to rush him back. But wouldn't he solve for their problems and New York's? Or present new ones in New York. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how that act plays, but absolutely. I think Kyler Murray, to your point, may be done in Arizona. You never know, but we'll we'll see there. That's why I picked Houston first to begin. So, all right. So, are you are you taking a team? Sorry, I think I might. I think I might take a team for the chaos. I think I might go Chicago here. Wow. I I see. I know. Right. Look at everybody. Right. I may go Chicago here. I just don't see it. I think the guy is a fantasy stat packer, but as far as winning games, enough games to make the playoffs in the North, I just don't see it. I actually heard an interesting hypothetical on the podcast this morning driving in to meet with you, which is, is there any chance the Chicago Bears might get the number one pick for the second year in a row? Too early to say, but you've got two in the uh, portfolio now, Houston and Chicago. Maybe after week two, I'll I'll make a a selection to join Arizona in mine. Um, quick lap around the division. Speaking of Arizona, they host the New York Giants, who were embarrassed in week one. Uh, Seattle is at Detroit on mm. Sunday. The Lions with a long week of preparation, having already pulled off the upset at Arrowhead. So there's a very realis- realistic scenario, DeMarco, where the winner at SoFi on Sunday is 2-0, and the Hawks and the Cardinals are 0-2. And that's what I mean about you know this NFC West getting tilted if not decided pretty early oh my god can you imagine what would happen if we're here on monday or the next time we do this show and you're up 2-0 in the division and you beat san fran here you would have turned the league upside down thankfully because of the way they played in week one i can envision that but unfortunately because of what i know about san francisco i can also see it the other way oh yeah what i've already i keep seeing mccaffrey on a 65 yard run (laughs) oh my god that guy's good the other thing about uh, the look around the league that we do in this fourth segment each week on rams all access is i have these kind of root for afc type games Mm -hmm. where like if if you are a playoff contender like we think the rams now that we've seen it on the field can be this year and if that wild card bubble is going to be soft like we think it might be in the nfc then every win that the AFC gets over the NFC counts. And so, unfortunately, the Chiefs didn't do their job against the Lions, for instance, in the opener. But there aren't many of those games this week. One that I've got circled is Washington at Denver. The Broncos at home, disappointing opening loss to the Raiders. The Commanders might be feisty. Wow. This could be an important win to bank against the NFC. So you you want Denver to beat Washington. Because otherwise, in, yeah, a, yeah. in a rough and tumble NFC East, Washington might have some life if they've got the quarterback figured out. The rest of the roster is pretty impressive, and they get off to a 2-0 start. I'll give the edge in coaching to, to Denver. Is that fair? Sean Payton? Uh, Over Riverboat Ron? What do you got against Ron? Nothing. Rivera. Absolutely nothing. Okay. But Sean Payton's got a Lombardi. Uh, that's the different deal. Uh, quarterback, who do you give the edge to? See, I mean, Uh, five years ago, it was easy, but now you're not sure, right? (laughs) Nine Pro Bowls against less than nine career starts. Exactly. I could see Denver beating the Commanders. The Uh, only other one is really Jets at Cowboys, which, you know. 
changes now. If it's Aaron Rodgers going in yeah. to Arlington, you know. Anyway, lesser extent there. That was fun. The entire week one experience up to and including this show. Uh, you said at the top you've already kind of put it behind you. Oh, Maybe yeah. Maybe it's my turn now. <laughs> All eyes on Sunday and it's, the red and gold. It's 49er week, man. When I say 49ers, what comes to mind? Uh, unfortunately, right now, snapping the streak. But it did bring up one other thing before yeah. we go. How come it is a streak? Like, the regular season thing drives me nuts. What about that NFC Championship game? The most important game in the entire span of head-to-head Oh, that's games. us. We know that. That's, went, why, that's why we sleep at night. They can't. That's why they keep bringing it through, up. You went through like a long stretch of losses to yeah. San Francisco, right? And you were part of the group that broke the previous streak. Yes. But if you had had an NFC Championship win over San Francisco along the way, would you give, have given two thoughts to any of that? No, that's why I laugh yeah. when they bring it up. Like we, we beat you when it matters most. Yeah. yeah. And then they shut up. It's fun. No. <laughs> Anyway, that's enough for now. Hope you'll join us in person on Sunday, if not on these airways. For DeMarco Farr and our producer, Adam Bronstein, I'm J.B. Long. This Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.